Scaling brands need influencer content, but the best brands have influencer communities, which provide a constant stream of high-converting social content to test in your ads week in and week out. Access Aspire IQ's more than 6 million creators and influencers and start building your brand's influencer community today. Find out why Forrester recognized Aspire IQ as a leader in influencer marketing solutions. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric Dick. It is Friday and today we are extremely lucky to have another amazing selection of the Pilot House Brain Trust here with us to talk about scaling your campaigns with user-generated content, UGC. Yeah, you know me. We're here with the head of our UGC department, Angela Meadows, uh, our creative lead, Alex Ortega, our head of partnerships, Dan Norcia, and one of our senior lead media buyers, Nate Van Canet. Welcome to All Killer No Filler. Angela, let's start with you. What is the one thing people get wrong about acquiring UGC for their brands? Well, I like UGC, you know me. I think I'm gonna steal that as like a tagline for now on. But the one thing people get wrong about acquiring UGC is I think they just underestimate how much work, how much scale goes into like having a consistent UGC program. Um, we do so much research before we even reach out to content creators. We know everything about these content creators before we even like reach out to them to work with these brands. We're constantly looking for the perfect alignment between people while at the same time, like doing some experiments and testing different angles, but we have the angles thought up already and we know exactly what we want out of these content creators before we even like start talking to them. So it's like a lot of work program. behind the scenes. I like that you said program too, because I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll get a creative or I'll get, I'll get some UGC content. But when you say program, like, what do you mean? Like Nate, talk a little bit. I know you run a lot of campaigns uh, with UGC. What does a UGC program mean to you as a media buyer? I mean, basically what Ann said, it's like getting a ton of UGC for us to test. I think a lot of people underestimate that. It's like, oh, I'll get you know, a couple of videos from a couple of creators and I'm good to go. But it's really like we'll test on accounts at scale. We'll be testing, you know, 30 to 50 creatives every single week that are all UGC focused. And so Andrew's team, you know, is in charge of sourcing that UGC, dealing with the, the creators, um, iterating based off of what we're seeing working. So we're in touch with our creative teams, with Andrew's team. Uh, and and actually getting more of what's working. And so like that that wheel is it actually takes a, a lot of effort and a lot of time. And the ideal outcome too is that we are creating long-term relationships between these brands and these creators. So again, it's not just like getting them to like mailing them a product and getting them to shoot a video. It's kind of like creating this relationship so that they could be a brand ambassador at that point. And that takes so much nurturing, like so much testing of different people to find the right ones and it's, it's uh, yeah, a lot of hand-holding and, and research and that goes into it. And it's really a numbers game. So like, you know, when Nate's talking about how many, how many of these things he'll test, we'll get into a little bit about how many of those will actually work. But just to back up to this, like acquiring UGC part of it, what's the process like for 
for outreach and, and how many, what's your hit rate when it comes to the amount of times you'll reach out to the amount of times you'll actually get reliable UGC delivered? I mean, our hit rate within my team is very good because we've developed it like over time. I would say our positive response rate has got to be like 75, 80% or higher at this point. But like, like I said, it's all about finding people that are in line with this brand already. Um, and what are you offering? Are you, do you have a, a cascading th- you know, series of things you're offering? You start with product or do you go right into, um, you know, offers of, you know, I mean, product is, like, product is like the bare minimum, but on top of that, there's so many different options. Like for some people, it depends on their experience level, um, for the majority of it. Or it's just about like starting this conversation with them and negotiating. Sometimes we do it on a profit share. Sometimes we pay them up front. Sometimes we do just product exchange. And like, because we're managing multiple different brands, something we do recently is like, we will give them a couple different products from brands and get them to test it all. And maybe they end up making content for all three brands we've sent them. Maybe just a couple, like we try to align like that as well. Very cool. Do you have any tips on like how to, like you have a high hit rate here, then this is due to your research and, you know, picking the right people, but do you have any tips for like how to word things when you're reaching out to these, to these uh, UGC creators? We have like a very refined script that I won't describe, (laughs) but I would say like the, the main thing is like, don't waste these people's time. Absolutely. Do not do not comment dm for collabs like everyone should stop doing that but i think we're these people all have their own personal brands and i think we try to have it come across that we respect their personal brands that we're trying to help them elevate their own brands as well and so that again that alignment like explaining that to them is most important I, I like what you say. This is something I like. I, I do a lot of outreach for various things for advertisers, for you know, for business development and stuff. I, I always I think so many people will send emails with the idea of like, here's how you can help me. Here's why this will be good for me. But that's so irrelevant to anyone that you're emailing. It's, you really have to lead with like, what what's in it for you? Why this is good for your brand? Why you know? I, I think I think that's a learning. Mm-hmm. For nice. sure. Excellent. Okay. Uh, now, okay, let's get into a little, we've got Alex Ortega here, who's sort of one, one of your leads when it comes to actually, um, making, repurposing this creative. Alex, what's one thing that people get wrong about creating UGC creatives from user-generated content? I would say sharing it as is. So, I mean, to clarify, you have this video now, people need to know what they need to do with it. Um, a lot of the time you're getting back like raw content. Sometimes you might get it back and it's already edited and the creator has, you know, put their own personal take on it, which is fine. But there are still a few things that you need to do to ensure that that video is is ready to be delivered on your, you know, on your on your platforms. Um, the, the things that I'm always looking out for are small tweaks that you can do initially. And that's just making sure that it's it's cropped properly. Um, even adding things like captions and subtle music in the background can elevate the quality of your creative. Um, when you think about, you know, scrolling behavior online, a lot of people scroll muted. They don't scroll with audio. Um, if you have a UGC video in your ad and somebody is speaking or talking on, on the video and there's no captions, that person immediately is going to kind of bypass that creative. Um, so another example is, uh, you know, when you're, when you're sharing things, 
as they are. You're overlooking a lot of the potential that your, your video or your UGC content has. Um, an example might be someone sends over a UGC video and it's a minute long, but it's a product-based uh, review or testimonial, whatever it is. Um, but they're talking for the first 30 seconds of that video. The product doesn't actually even come in until the 30 second mark. And as we know, you want that product to be kind of with your, you only have a few seconds to grab somebody's attention so that you want that product to, to be in the main frame, you know, in the first two, three seconds. Um, so if you're sharing it, you're, you're overlooking the potential of that. But if you're taking a look at it, seeing how you can always make it better, um, you might want to cut it down a bit. Um, you might want to bring that clip and bring it to the front of the video. You might want to take their audio and overlay it during the time where they're showing the product, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, but I think the biggest thing is sharing it as is a lot of the time is probably one of the wrong. And making sure that product is featured, like you say, within that first yeah. 10, three seconds, ideally, I would imagine, of, of, that, of that video. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I hear from you is subtlety. Like you're not, you're not slamming big design overlays on a lot of these because the whole point of UGC, I guess, is that authenticity. So you're doing things that like enhance that, but don't make it seem more like a regular ad. Cause that's not the point. Exactly. Um, I mean, it, it differs. You, there are definitely UGC videos where you want it to be disrupted. You want it to be, you know, in their face and you're going to garner somebody's attention by doing that. But for the most part, um, you know, the, the, the purpose of this content is for it to be more authentic feeling. Um, so you're, so you're right in saying that. Nice. Dan, you had a point about, uh, you know, you know, why this kind of content works, why it's not like regular ads. What, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately it's like a secondary sales force for your brand, right? Um, my dad has this saying, uh, which is if you are standing at the mantelpiece with a scotch in your hand, talking about yourself and how great you are, everyone thinks you're kind of an asshole. But if someone else is standing at the mantelpiece with a scotch talking about how great you are, everybody thinks you're great, right? And so that's sort of the, the takeaway here, right? Is that social proof. You've got a secondary sales force of people who are passionately talking about your brand, passionately talking about how these products have positively impacted their lives. Um, and saying that to someone in the first person is not as effective, right? Um, Totally. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that kind of boils into this whole concept of social proof, which, as we all know, has been crushing it lately. UGC at top of funnel, people talking about your brand, how great it is for them, uh, you know, leaning into reviews, things like that. Um, this just sort of feeds into that larger uh, conversation. And really know your platform. This is something that's actually just come across on some of the podcast interviews that I've done this week is people really talking about um, you know, at first, maybe trying to fit a one size fits all piece of UGC content into, you know, both Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, but really understanding the differences in these platforms uh, and being able to, 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 to work with that. So with, so with things like TikTok, you're going to have a lot more sort of raw authenticity, maybe less edits, uh, things that, that, that might not work as well on YouTube where you do want a bit more polish. Uh, back to Alex, do you, like when you're creating these platforms, do you find creative that works across all platforms or are you sort of making different edits uh, to the UGC creative depending on the platform that it's going to go on? Definitely optimizing for the platform that's going on. And like I said, um, you know, when you get your, your initial piece of content, you want to make sure that it's optimally, optimally sized for the platform that you're putting it on. So if uh, you have a YouTube creative, you know, you're going to do it in a one by one or a 16 by nine. But um, what we find is a lot of people shoot UGC creative um, vertically, 
right? And in portrait mode on their cell phones. Um, so it's really hard to take that creative and turn it into a YouTube ad, right? Which is normally horizontal or landscape size. Um, so one shooting for the platform that you're you're wanting to to be the main um, the main delivery. Um, but also getting creative with the layout because I can definitely take a horizontal or sorry, a vertical uh, UGC video and find a creative way to make turn that into a YouTube ad. You know, I might put it in like um, a multi-grid layout or I might pair it with another UGC video um, that's also moving at the same time. There are just so many different things that you can do with it, but you have to get creative with that. Very cool. And then I think we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but how do we think about the categories of UGC? Like, uh, you know, whether it's just a two camera, like testimonial where you show the product, uh, I think unboxing is probably another category. W what are some of the, the categories of UGC creative that are working best right now? Is that a question for me or Angela? I know that's sort of opened <laughs> it up. Who, who, Nate, you could okay. speak to that potentially on the ad buying side. Angela, you see a good, you see a lot of- I these. think like in terms of, in terms of like the, the type of video, like what you're going after, you should try to get unboxing videos, definitely testimonials, um, like first person speaking to the camera, just holding the product. You should try to get all of those and test all of those. They're all important in their different ways. I think the, the thing you're trying to, the, the main part of using UGC is get like experience these products through the content creator's eyes. Like the customer has not touched this product yet. They don't, they haven't experienced it. So as long as you're portraying that like experience of the product through the content creator, that's, that's number one. Um, I like yeah. it. Um, I, I, it's funny. One of the, 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 the other added benefit, like one of the things you were saying, Norcia earlier was, uh, you know, with a static ad, it's, it's maybe it's an ad and it might, might, might drive a user. Uh, which is great, but UGC has all these other dimensions to it. And the, the one of them that I thought was interesting, I just did a podcast with Bloom. They were talking about a, an acne treatment that they have and how they, they sent it out to a bunch of influencers and they, they saw like a new use that the, the, the influencers were using the product in a way that they hadn't intended. They were like mixing this acne treatment into like a day cream or something like that. Uh, and, that's, and, and that sort of like expanded their mindset about even what their products are, how they're used. And that sort of went on to inform other aspects of their marketing. So I think UGC just has like a lot of these dimensions uh, that, that make it just an absolute like must in, in any campaign that you run right now. Yeah, and I think the, I, I think the static image route is uh, probably gonna be fading away, right? Like it's great to have phenomenal product photography, um, but that's brand, right? From a performance standpoint, a piece of product photography is not talking to your consumer base in a like relatable fashion, the way that UGC does. Because you have people literally, like I said earlier, right? It's a secondary sales force. They are, um, you know, speaking about your brand in a way that gets other folks excited about it in a way that branding can't actually do it. Of course. Nice. Okay, let's move on to the actual like launching of, of Facebook ads campaigns that use UGC. Nate, what is one thing that people get wrong about scaling Facebook campaigns with user-generated content? Yeah, um, I would probably say that a lot of people and a lot of brands that we bring on when they when we start with our, our UGC, they have this you know strict vision of the the person that they want to go after. They think they know the exact content creators that they want or the exact style of content that we need to get to make their product work. 
And I think that that's a huge mistake that a lot of brands make right off the bat. I would just say, don't assume the type of content that your brand needs because you, you really won't know until you test it. Like Ange said, like there's so many different styles of creative, different types of, of creators. So you need to, you need to, you know, dial in the, the avatar of the UGC creator that you want, but be completely open to the style of content and, you know, branching out a little bit when it does come to, to those content creators. So I would say that's, that's one huge thing. Um, and the other thing is assuming that when you test UGC in one place, it will work the same as everywhere else. So a lot of, a lot of times people test it just at top of funnel, just at bottom of funnel, see it doesn't work and they call it a fail. Um, I think it's really, really important to test it across your entire, entire funnel, prospecting, retargeting, middle of funnel, um, because certain pieces of UGC and just UGC in general might work for only a specific you know, piece of your, of your funnel. Great tip. So when it comes to actually setting up campaigns, so say you get a schwack of UGC, it's a technical term when you get 30 pieces of UGC, it's called a schwack. You get a schwack of UGC. <laughs> Can you describe what your testing structure goes into about how you actually find the winners and, and scale those winners? Yeah, so, so the, there's a few different ways to do it and it depends a lot on your scale. If, if you're running at smaller scale, doing something like a gold coin test, which I'm sure has been covered on, on the podcast before, um, doing, doing a structure like that works a lot better because it spends more efficiently. Um, you can force spend on specific creatives that you wanna test. Uh, but at scale, when I'm testing, I'm testing a CBO campaign with three to four ad sets, two to three prospecting ad sets made up of your best two to three audiences and a stacked retargeting ad set. That's just all your website visitors, all your Facebook and Instagram engagement, everything. Um, and then I'm gonna test this, the same four to five UGC creatives. Um, and if it's, if it's images, I'll keep images in one campaign and videos in a separate campaign, just because Facebook tends to, to weigh um, spend on, on videos higher. And so it might trump the, uh, the, the images. Um, so I'll test, like I said, four to five ad, or three to four ad sets, four to five creatives per ad set, um, same creatives in each ad set. And then I'll test if I want to simultaneously test copy, I'll test a different copy variation on each of those ads. Um, but if I really want to isolate the variable and make sure that I'm only testing the UGC, then I'll do the same, same copy variation across each. And then after I've ran this, um, you know, I'll spend probably around, you know, seven, eight X what my target CPA is. Um, and then I'll be able to make some informed decisions on what's working, what's not. I'll take the best performers from these test campaigns, put them into new campaigns that are consolidated scale campaigns that contain the top performers, whether they be video or creative. That's when I'll start to kind of mix it up. Very cool. That's going to go right into the newsletter as a, a, a data-based value bomb. Uh, Dan, let's talk a little bit about, because uh, Nate, just even just to finish with you, like we were talking about the relationship between UGC and CPC cost per click. And, and it's just, mm -hmm. it's just undeniable that UGC right now is, is what is the most engaging kind of content. Would you agree with that? And, and like, are you pretty much like with your, with your accounts, I would imagine it's like UGC or bus, like you want UGC for these accounts. hundred percent. Yeah. And I would, I would say that like there, we have some accounts where it's literally like we're running more branded content, product focused content, and we bring in UGC and the UGC team, and we can literally cut click costs in half with UGC doing things like mashups, you know, review videos, that kind of stuff. It, it, it really does drop cost per click. Um, yeah. So it's super, super effective. I was going to ask Dan, you know, how do you go about like, you know, selling and really imparting to clients that UGC is 
uh, you know, an essential part of their ad stack. But I think Nate kind of answered it there. It's just, it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm going to use that, Nate, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would also say that like, honestly, 60 to 80% of our top performing creatives are UGC on, on any given account. So if you're listening to this right now, one thing to note about Pilothouse, you know, you can work with Pilothouse as a, you know, as an agency where, you know, you can talk to Dan, you know, right, right away. We can, we can get you on, you know, get, get you into a call. But what we're doing that I think is really interesting is we're sort of uh, giving our, the, the ability of our different uh, departments to go out and sell uh, standalone packages. And I think, and, and Angela, that's, that's really one of the big pushes, I think, over the, over the next little while for, for Pilothouse is to, is to like, get get some UGC packages out to people. So describe to me what it, what it would look like starting to work with the UGC team at Pilothouse. Like creating that UGC program is what we wanna do for brands. So we will have our team manage everything after you ship the product, all the recruitment, all the research, all the content direction, the editing, the post-production, we'll manage your whole program for you and make sure that you have like a steady stream of new UGC to be testing every week. Sounds like a no-brainer. Uh, let's okay. Well, let's, call now. I think I think that's pretty awesome. So, if people want to, you know, talk to us about UGC, uh, Angela, how do you recommend they get in touch? Um, they get in touch with us at pilothouse.co/ugc, or Dan, are we gonna are we gonna let them contact you directly? Dan at pilothouse.co. Dan at pilothouse.co. Just email Dan up; he'll get back to you. Or fill out that contact form. I love watching the brands that come through that contact form uh, on, on a daily basis. So, so either way, uh, you can do that. You can work with Pilot House on the media buying side. You can work with on the UGC side. If you're working with us on the media buying side, we're definitely going to be talking about trying to get you into the UGC side because it lowers costs by upwards of 50, 60%, which is a pretty unbelievable selling feature. And it's hard for brands to do this themselves. Like we we want to take that workload off your hands and, and we have a team that knows how to do it and does it efficiently. The other, just one more comment to what Ange just said is that um, this is very much a digitally native activity. Um, so a lot of brands are not necessarily digitally native um, and it, it makes it a little more difficult to understand the nuance, right? That's why we have such a high hit rate when we reach out to UGC creators um, and, uh, yeah, that was it. Very cool. Nice. Well, I want to thank everyone for coming on the podcast today. This has been a, we have a very fun uh, pilot house event planned uh, for the rest of, of uh, the afternoon today. So I'm excited to jump into some games with the, uh, the pilot house staff and maybe have a few beverages. Uh, but thanks again for coming on today. Another great all killer. No filler. I hope everyone has an amazing weekend and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Oh yeah. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. Peace.